Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores a golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, dew sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Hey everybody, welcome to Grilling at the Green here on uh, the Grilling at the Green radio network. How about that? In Portland, it's on KPAM AM860, The Answer in Wichita Falls, KSEY, Golf News Net, uh, what's the other one, KFAQ and WEEU. So how's that? I can remember those. I'm just absolutely astounded that I can remember those. This segment of Grilling at the Green is brought to you by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef the way nature intended. You can check them out online at PaintedHillsNaturalBeef.com. Well, he's my friend. Uh, We talk to each other quite a bit when we get the chance, but he's also one of the golf writers that you've probably read a lot of his uh, books and columns. And if you haven't, you need to change addresses and move to a different rock because uh, you had to have read some of Jim's stuff out there. Jim Dodson, welcome back, man. Hey, thank you, my friend. It's always great to good to see you. Uh, you know, <laughs> nice to see you in this such tropical, uh, beautiful Pebble Beach spanned out behind you. I like that, you, know, you got power, man. You can get there right on the seat and just do your show. I love it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, I've got clout. I know. Clearly. <laughs> Really, and the shirt—that's the best part. I love. Yeah, I've gotten on this Hawaiian shirt kick for some reason, Jim. I'm not sure why. That's the Pacific behind you, so yeah, you're you're good. Couldn't get away with that in North Carolina, but you know, I don't know what kind of shirt would I wear back there. That uh, probably be a wife beater T-shirt here in the South. You know, yeah, (laughs) ninety degrees, ninety-five degrees. I love my dentist or something, you know, like that. Exactly. I married my sister early. And, yeah. Yeah. That's why they, good thing we don't have any stations in Arkansas, but you know, there was, there was the old joke about if a guy and a gal get married two years yeah. later, uh, yeah. they're divorced. Um, yeah. But are they still brother and sister in Arkansas? <laughs> well, you got to go to a family reunion to pick up new, new girlfriends, right? Yeah, so. I guess, I guess I never had that problem. I, uh, <laughs> Most of my relatives were like, yeah, okay. Anyway, what have you been doing? You haven't been on the show in over a year. Oh, so no, what have you been doing? No, 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 no. Yes, yes. Really yes, it long? is. Well, well, you know, they say your perception of time speeds up as we age, and they can see we both aged. Um, yes. So let's see. I've been working on uh, the big book on the wagon, Great Wagon Road, which is really fun. I hope to finish it by early autumn or mid-autumn. Which is Wait a good. minute. Time out. You told me that last year. Yeah, I know. Well, this is it's 800 miles long. So I had to, I had to tra- finish traveling it after COVID, first of all, which I did yeah. last. I think it was uh, January I did it. 
And then I had to really ramp up my writing, but also yeah. you know, I'm contributing to Global Golf Post, which is fun. I mean, they're kind of essayist at large. And, and then um, the other thing is uh, I've been finishing working on hard on, on Peachtree Golf Club's wonderful book. And uh, that's been a joy because it's let me take a deep dive into one of my hero and anybody else who loved golf's hero, uh, Bobby Jones, uh, who really, I, yeah, I knew the story really well, but this guy had the most extraordinary life. And I think the, maybe the most impressive thing about him is he never changed. In other words, he was as, I, you know, when Arnold asked me to do his memoirs, I actually said to him, I'm not sure I want to do them because you might not be as great as I think you are. That's an old <laughs> paraphrase of a sure. Roman, Roman philosopher. But uh, he was. And, and Jones, you know, you kept looking for the things about Jones that's kind of real. You feet of clay makes you realize he's, he was, he's remarkable. I mean, born in Invid, died in Invalid, uh, built uh, obviously Augusta, but also in Peachtree, a wonderful, fabulous club for his friends. And it's just a beautiful story. And I've been, been involved with that. I'm well into the writing of that. So that's what I've been. And, you know, trying to, trying to enjoy a little bit of summer. I just came back from a visit with my friend Reese Jones up in, in Southampton uh, and uh, played Maidstone with him. And it's just been, I love those courses up there in the summer. They're really great. It's pretty busy. And then I was out at the Wyndham today just to sort of connect with my old childhood tournament. Yeah, um, no, no green pants. Like no the- green pants. I, I'm afraid those were retired down in Pinehurst years ago. <laughs> okay. no, no. Just have to get my facts straight, Jim. Just yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm wearing khaki shorts, you know, these days. Yeah, me too. I've got uh, well, mine are calling it olive today. If anybody You're having cares. Hawaii weather out there where you are, I mean, I can't even imagine that. Yeah, it's it, no, it's really nice. It's uh, the one thing about here is we kind of go. We don't build up to summer. We get, we get, you know, winter ends and we get a little bit of spring for about six weeks, maybe. Yeah. And then everybody's happy. And then all of a sudden, yeah. bam, we are right into summer. And when do you uh, get the rain, the rain, I'm waiting for rain here in North Carolina. We're, we've been, you know, we've been, we've storm systems have all gone North or South of us. So we haven't had much rain here. Actually, Georgia's not had a lot of rain either. So I'm waiting for the rainy season to start. Uh, November. November, December is when it comes. And then the, (laughs) yeah. And then the, the, uh, you know, our real inclement weather really kind of starts in January and in February, but after about the middle of February, most of the time, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's much calmer, you know, no ice storms or snowstorms on occasion, but very little, but. uh, I have a bunch of friends in Oregon and I promised them I'd come out and write about the golf there and, and, and characters, you know, Hawaiian shirt wearing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got snow golf hat on. So um, I was going to teach you some more about the the Wagon Road book, but I don't think I will because. Uh, it's, it, yeah, it's been a long time. I know that. But it's it's a like you said, it's a long road and it's a long history. It there. is. And it's a love of it's a it's really a personal love affair because 200,000 Scotch, Irish, Germans, Lutherans, Moravians, Quakers. Uh, Swedes uh, came down that road from Western Pennsylvania all the way to Georgia. And, you know, uh, yeah, it has uh, the, uh, on that road, you had the biggest battles of the revolutionary uh, and civil war. And, uh, you know, eight presidents were born on it or, or near it and traveled it their whole lives. You know, Benjamin Franklin called it the, the road that made America. Um, 
you know, yeah. someone, has, someone said, how'd you find it? Well, archaeologists found it about 15 years ago. They could, they used, they traced its roots of where it went, went. So you can, you can really go the same route and it's through some of the most hallowed places, Gettysburg, Antietam, uh, that America has. So I, I when I just have, uh, to summarize, I thought I, you know, it was 10, it was 870 miles long. I thought I'll just get on that thing and outside of Philly and just cruise down that road and for three weeks and talk to all these clever historians and interesting people. And I'll spend, you know, a year writing the book. I should have known by now after 15 books, it's just amazing. The people I've met and uh, it's, so I, I don't want to rush it. I want to do it right. And it is a labor of love. And then I'm back to golf. I have four golf books waiting in the wings. They're already started. <laughs> Reese and I are talking about his memoir, which I'd love to do a, a book with Reese. He, he has, he's, you know, 250 golf courses, yeah. 12 major uh, courses he's done for Oak, the Open. I mean, he's the Open doctor. His lot and his stories are marvelous about his life. So. How do you keep them all straight? You, you know, you told us at the top of the show, you, you're working on the Wagon, Wagon Road book. You're trying to finish Peachtree. You've got a couple other things in the in the mix, but you're also uh, writing for Global Golf and you're doing this. And you ever sit down and try to write like something for the Wagon Road and you go, yeah, Ben Hogan shot a 92 that day. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's, that's a very good question. I mean, I, everybody has a different uh, method. I think one of the things I've discovered about I, what I do is, is uh, golf one week and wagon road the next. And actually what it, no, this sounds nutty, but what it actually does is sort of keeps me fresh. I mean, it keeps me, you know, it doesn't take me, it only takes me, you know, a cup of coffee and looking at my notes and, you know, uh, Hemingway said you should leave off writing at a sentence where you know what the next sentence is. And that sounds like a kind of trivial thing but i i do that i mean i often you know um and and you know a book graham green said books are written in the subconscious so when i'm out working in my garden or playing golf with rarely playing golf with my friends on the weekend which is what i do about every other weekend um it's amazing how often i'll hear a sentence for that i've been stuck on mm -hmm. you know, that mm -hmm. takes me into the next chapter so i'd have to say it's been you know i thought it might it seems like a formula for going becoming psychotic but <laughs> but uh it's it's not it's been actually you know and i'm really pretty i'm very disciplined i've been doing this for almost 40 years so you know and i have my own little uh, you might see the funky office behind me yeah up above the garage it's a great little warren with every golf thing i ever had up here it's, it's uncle jimmy's genuine real stuff mag uh, you know museum with uh some living, some dead things, and you know, and lots of right. lots of golf stuff. So there you go. Uh, we're going to take a break here on Grilling at the Green. Jim Dobson and I will be back right after this. Please stay with us. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. <laughs> Welcome back to Grilling on the Green here on the Golf uh, Radio Network. Soon to be, soon to be. This show will soon be a part of the um, Golf News Net channel on iHeart. Uh, Grilling oh. at the Green is going to be one of those shows. So, um, yeah, I mean, we've got a multitude of platforms you can listen to it on now, Jim. But that will be, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. So, um I wanted to tell you something. Our friends over at Smoky Bones, they're based in Florida, but they got 62 restaurants, 63, all up and down the East Coast. Well, for a limited time, you can get their Rib Fest. That's right, Rib Fest 
for 20 bucks, 19.99. That comes with a house rack ribs, two sides, garlic, uh, bread, and you get a drink. You got to dine in those. So Smoky Bones, the masters of meat, uh, all the way from Illinois to Florida. They bring you fired grill favorites and barbecue platters every day for lunch and dinner. So find a Smoky Bones near you and get that summer rib fest. You yeah, know, in Greensboro. I would go for 20 bucks. You bet. I'm going to dinner there tonight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, to cook. I can't buy a rack of ribs in the store for 20 bucks anymore. Yeah. So, hey, yeah. You know, I was looking at them day four yesterday because I was going to do some this weekend and they were like 34 bucks a rack. And I'm going like, hey, what? You know, well, I can I can FedEx you some if you'd like, you know. OK, you do that. I actually did that once, Jim, not to get we will talk about golf. I promise. <laughs> yeah, a minute, yeah. and, uh, we were I was in Kentucky when I was in the horse business yeah, yeah. and I was talking about one of my buddies. Uh, that I cooked with all the time. He was kind of in a tough spot in his life. He was in between wives. Um, and we bought this deli together and we did lots of crazy stuff. But uh, the guys in Kentucky didn't believe me. So I called Ron and I said, I want you to FedEx is 10 racks of ribs out of our smoker. Oh and he did. Wow. Um, you can really do that. Yeah, you can do that. Um who knew? Yeah, but uh, they got there and there wasn't one rib left. So, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> it is. Yes. Uh, OK, I want to talk about something that's very pressing in the golf world now. Live L.I.V. 54 golf. If you want to do the Roman numeral thing, whatever you want to do, uh, you've covered everything you've written and produced for the Golf Channel. You've done all these books. I mean, you've had your pulse on the on the golf and the characters and also the tours and stuff for a long time off and on. I want to get your take on it, Jim. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, well, I think, you know, you want to, you want to kind of, when you hear about something like this, and I, I think I really just heard about it when I read a release from DeChambeau and Johnson uh, in February mentioning their loyalty to the PGA tour, how they were devoted to the tour to help make their lives great and so forth. And then three weeks later, <laughs> they announced, well, thanks for the, thanks for the, uh, you know, the memories I'm, I'm going to this thing. And I, you know, I was, I guess I, because I had been, I'm, I'm, I'm writing about 1920 golf. I have my, you know, I've been in my little burrowed hole. Um, it's pretty interesting and it's not new. Arnold, of course, and Jack to toyed with that in the, in the sixties, they, they, mm -hmm. they were kind of unhappy. The tour then was really the tour bureau and it was a loose a, a conglomeration of players and a few agents and stuff, but it, they finally got their act together and realized they stood much stronger being a unit of players all together. And so they do own the PGA tour, those players. Right. Um, uh, the more I heard about it, and, and this will betray some of my, I guess, my old school journalism as a, as a person who covered a lot of national uh, affairs. Um, when I heard the, that the Saudis were behind it, it really just discouraged me. I just thought, you know, um, it, again, you know, a friend of mine says it's live and let live. And uh, you and if you're a free enterprise person, competition's good. I've heard all those arguments. I did a lot of reading. I listened and paid attention to their complaints that they think golf is too long of a thing to watch in the afternoon. They think it's 
too dull. They think the people who are watching it, the, the audience needs to be younger. I guess, you know, you can make those, you could probably say that about every uh, sport. Um, golf is, by the way, uh, a slow sport. Yes. Golf, is, golf is, by the way, an existential game. Uh, you never know what's you're going to, what's going to happen to you next. Um, and, uh, you know, by, I guess in the middle of all that, I wrote one of the first profiles, if not the big first profile of Phil Mickelson. I spent years defending him. And then when I read his broadside on the PGA tour, um, you know, yeah, that they were, you know, still, they were keeping all the money from the players and they were greedy and seemed pretty ironic calling them greedy when you've just taken $200 million from Saudi Arabians. Um, And then, you know, his charges that, the money is not returned to the players from from the rights and the photos and stuff, which actually is just almost laughable because the PGA Tour, uh, something like fifty four percent of that that revenue goes directly to the top seventy five players. Um, no other major league has anything close to that, you know. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, then the you never hear these guys now talk about live talk about the the charity factor of this. You know, I'm here in the Wyndham. They're going to give something like 120 million dollars to you know this year to to community charities and stuff. I don't know. I guess there's too much Arnold Palmer in me. In fact, the, I'm writing a piece for Blue GGP. That they asked me to write. What would I was talking to the editor Jim Nugent, wonderful guy, publisher and editor, and I, he asked. He said, "What do you think Arnold would say, or what would Arnold do?" So that's the name of the piece. I know exactly what Arnold would do. And the, the last thing I'll say about it is it's, you know, you can, it's fine. Money talks, money seems at a time when people are having trouble putting gas in their cars and paying their grocery bills. These guys are squawking about, you know, having to play seven, uh, 20 tournaments on the tour uh, and um, be shuttled everywhere they go in life and have private jets. I, you know, it's just hard for me to feel real sympathy for the fact I heard one of them say it might have been Dennis Johnson who said you know we have to feed our families too you make makes you wonder what they're feeding them to need that kind of dough <laughs> um, and, and 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 lastly what's the miss what are you getting from it I mean I'm like Tiger Woods and JT and Davis uh, love who's an old friend uh, what are you getting from it you're getting probably four or five foreign houses you know you're going to be able to Put a put a place up anywhere you want to place in the on the on the, on the planet, but you're not going to be remembered in history. Your name is not going to be in books. You're not going to have people like me writing about you. We got to take a break. I'll be back with Jim Dodson. Uh, who knows? We might talk some more about LIV, or we might talk some more about something sensible in our life. Exactly. I don't know what that would be, but we'll be right back. JT and this part of Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Ben Hogan Golf. Check them out online at benhogangolf.com. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. Too bad you guys can't hear what we say off the air. Um, <laughs> with my good buddy Jim Dodson here. And uh, we, again, we'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef. Uh, it's a it's a product you can be proud to serve your family and friends. It's Painted Hills Natural Beef. If you want to email us, just info at grillingatthegreen.net. Um, you can also contact us through our websites or Golf News Net or any of those. You can um, 
you can reach out and somebody, probably me, will be uh, getting back to you very shortly. Okay, Jim, you've written a lot of cool books. I've read most of them. You um, did a free car vacuum. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, and I'm I'm waiting for the UPS guy to bring it. But out of out of your books like Final Rounds and Dew yeah. Sweepers and yeah. and Hogan and and Arnold's book A Golfer's Life, which was your favorite to oh, write? Yeah. That's like asking Reese Jones what is his favorite course. Yeah, uh, I know. I can actually tell you. Uh, I'll tell you there are two categories. One was the most fun, and then one that was probably means the most to me and then one that probably means the most to readers okay <clears throat> the most fun weirdly enough uh was a book uh uh sorry that's my phone i'll turn that i off. understand the the most fun was a were two books one and neither's done particularly well because they were second books of a two book contract that that one was a, called Beautiful Madness. It was about a year I spent in the horticulture world where I went to Africa with plant hunters and we just roamed through the wilds. And it was very funny. It was like it was like Indiana Jones on on, on with plant nerds and, you know, <laughs> dodging angry baboons and, and cobra snakes. It was really fun. That was seven weeks in the back in the in, in the for, you know, in the bush. Um, that was fun. Uh, and to write it was fun. Um, the other fun one was my son, Jack, a book about taking Jack, um, my son, yep. on a trip around the world in which we got in all kind of trouble. Uh, the, one of the reviewers referred to it as uh, two teenage, two eighth grade boys on the land through the, <laughs> the capital of Europe. We did that. We had a lot of fun. Um, and the third one, well, the, the, the book that is close, probably closest to my heart is a book called Faithful Travelers. I took my daughter, Maggie, on a. 8,000 mile fly fishing camping trip one whole summer. And we, we lost the dog briefly in Yellowstone and blew up the truck in, 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 in uh, Oklahoma and had a grand time. Um, and the book that means the most is probably Faith Final Rounds, uh, which yeah. has sold something like 800,000 copies. And I get, I, get, uh, I get new letters from people all the time about it in fact it's now it's at yet again for like the fifth time a film group wants to make it so it's pretty funny yeah you know that that book um final rounds that that is the book that when i'm giving books for like christmas presents and mm -hmm. stuff that's the book i i use most of the time because it's so meaningful and that's actually how you and I got connected talking yeah. about our fathers in the war yeah. and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And um, I just think, I mean, I, I like all your writing a lot, as you know, and not just because you're my friend, but that final rounds, man, that, that just, that just hit me just boom, you know? Well, you know, golf is a game that passes between generations and links generations. Think of how many of us, learned a game from our father or our mother, women learned it, picked it up from their mothers. I mean, it's a real generational game. And the fascinating, what I had not expected with that book was to hear from people who said, I wish I had a father like you did, who you really loved and had fun with and put the club clubs in your hand and taught you the rules. Uh, and I've heard from thousands of those guys who say they are now that way with their sons. I've heard, right. I wish I'd gotten a commission from everybody who booked a trip to Scotland or Ireland after that, but I uh, didn't. Um, and uh, I know a lot of, I know a lot of places that have given out the book. In fact, a Greyhawk bought something like, Oh man, 20,000 copies they would give to people. It, it, I did not expect that success, by the way, I wrote a book about, you know, this wonderful man who was my father 
Um, and, uh, and, and of course, everybody has a parent or two, hopefully, and everybody has a relationship with them. In fact, this is funny. I don't know if you can see this. I was literally just went through my dad's golf bag for the first time in 30 years. It's been sitting in my office and I found his, his, uh, city of Greensboro parks and recreation card. He had oh, when he dropped out of his club and this is, this is the year before he died. So I, I just had this little emotional moment finding this and sitting on my desk here. And I, you know, you never forget that the, those relationships are what shape your life. Yeah, absolutely. My dad played golf one time at a local muni out where we lived out in the country. He said, I don't see what's so hard about that game. <laughs> the first hole was like a, uh 289 straight yeah. down elevated yeah. green a little bit yeah. um you know when they build those nine holers they just build them they don't there's not a lot of right. push lot up of a green. yeah right. like that he said i took that one with the that stick with the wood on the end of it and i hit it and it went on that green i'll be darned and and he said i didn't think that game was so tough <laughs> and i i said well why don't you do it again he goes oh no 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 i i <laughs> smart enough to know when to quit. So uh, I love that. I, I had a Wendy and I were uh, on this trip to Scotland. We took a few days and went through Wales and we ended up in St. B's, England, the most Eastern point, Western point of on, on in England. And we went to this old church and it was a 11th century Abbey. And they had, a you know, there were 50 people there that Sunday morning. And then the rector was this great character, old, he was the rural Dean and he, they announced that we have visitors and one of them is a, this well-known golf author. So I, I don't, Wendy must've told the woman. Anyway, we were leaving. He wanted to talk and he says to me, he was an air force chaplain for most of his career. And he said, I have a great golf story for you. He said, I got, I, I was in, I was in this very important RAF unit and it was right about the time of the Falklands. And he said, uh, I was told that the Air Force was going to play the Army in a big golf match. And they had eight, they needed eight, nine, had nine guys and they had eight. And so the commanding officer said, you're going to be the ninth. And he said, I've never played golf in my life. And he said, oh, uh, yeah, well, that's OK. You just have to fill the body and, and do it. So he said he got there and he'd never swung a golf club in his life. And he got on the first hole and they told him, show, his friend showed him how to tee up. He said, you got to tee up the ball. And then you look at it and you swing your arms like you're playing cricket and you hit the ball. He nails one down the middle of the fairway and then he, he chips it on the green and makes a birdie. He said, and he said, putting, and he said, the commander, as he walks off, says, you sod. He said, you didn't tell us you were a, you know, a, a sandbagger or whatever the English equivalent yeah. was. Anyway, he said, he said, but I said, it's all innocent. I, I'm not that good. Next hole, he took a 12. And he said, <laughs> you weren't a liar at least. Yeah. 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 That's, um, well, I think we've all done that, though, haven't we, Jim? I oh, mean, you yeah, stand yeah. up, stand up there, and you <clears throat> nail your drive, and you put your long iron in on the right on the green or on the fringe, and yeah. you putt yeah. out, yeah. and you're just all puffed yeah. up, and you're thinking, yeah. good. And you go to the next one, and you, you know, send out three worm rapers into the <laughs> blackberry right. bushes. You know, I so. almost, I almost always play better when I've laid off the game because I go back and I don't have a lot of expectations and I'm just trying to remember to swing easy. I'm not trying to overpower, and I play well for a few holes, and then I realize who I am. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. Trying to hit, reach greens, and do things I shouldn't try to do. You know, reality comes back and just, and you're it all. A, it is a revealer of character for sure, or or the absence of it. You know. Yeah, that's true. It was interesting this morning. Uh, no names, but I was sitting in the golf cart and Steve was over there taking pictures. And one of the guys came up 
and he had uh, his ball was just a couple inches off the cart cart path. Yeah. And so he called to the two other players and he said, you know, I'm going to take relief in there. Like, yeah, go ahead. So they, they couldn't see him. They walked up on the green and were kind of on the other side, but I was just like, well, from me to you, so to speak, as far as these pictures are. Okay. And I'm watching him and he kind of does this and then he, you know, takes his driver and he does that, but then he takes his foot and kind of pushes his driver up about a foot. So in essence, it would be technically closer to the hole if you yeah. really wanted to get yeah. snarky about it. Right. right. You know, <clears throat> and then, so he, he does this drop and it stays up, but it starts to roll a little bit and then it stops. But as he was starting to roll, he takes his club and I thought, Oh, dude, you are not going to stop that ball with your golf club, are you? Oh, you know, because wow. technically that would be a stroke. Yeah. Right, right. And he didn't. He just left it there. And I, I think probably because me and one other person were so close to him watching it, you yeah. know, that he got. And I'm not casting aspersions, excuse me, on the guy. It's just, oh, I got the hiccups. Um, it's just what happened. Yeah. So, you well, know, it's one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um... You know, this game, what I love about golf, the reason I write the column I write for golf, Global Golf Post is called The Good Game. And it's a it's a it's kind of a reprise of uh, I wrote for I wrote a column for Golf Magazine for about 10 years called The, the, the Golf Life. And I don't I, it's never about tour players now, I think probably because I love the the, 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 the everybody before before uh, up to Arnold and Jack. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with Jim Dodson, wrap up the show. And then Jim is going to stick around for after hours because he always does. And it's always a lot of fun. Stay with us. Hi, everybody. It's JT. And this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. Today we're talking with my buddy Jim Dodson. Um, next week, I I actually don't know who's coming up next week, to tell you the truth. Usually I do, but I can't tell you today because um, I, I didn't bother to look at the schedule before we did. Also, don't forget our friends over there at Smoky Bones. They've got their rib feast going on for, uh, all summer, actually, 1999. Jim's going to go tonight and have dinner with Miss uh, Dame Wendy. Like that, but they've got 63 locations from Illinois all the way down to Florida. So check them out. Smoky Bones. One of the things I think that really bothered me about this whole LIV thing, and I've got, I've got, I don't have a personal stake in LIV. Right. I, I did deal with the Saudis, as you know, way back when a little bit. And I don't think these guys know what they're getting into, but I think that there was about three weeks ago, there was. Uh, what do you want to say? They lifted, they pulled back the curtain just a little bit, Jim. They fired three guys that they had hired. Uh, these guys yeah. were, were from um, like Ireland and Scotland, I believe. Two of them I know were Irish and they were just average players and they had hired them and then they, they, they cut them loose of their contract already. Um, well, see, that's what I fear might happen here. Yeah. For each quality player they get someone else gets bumped off the bottom right uh, you know and i don't know I, I just it doesn't seem to me that uh i mean that social darwinism at its purest form but uh the fact is um you, you know you when you read um their uh self-congratulatory uh 
explanations of why this is so unique and historic. Uh, you think I think about the the poor chump that made just made the first week made one hundred and twenty thousand uh, dollars, and he's never had a payday like that. He was forty eight, and I'm sure I'm wondering what he's doing now. Yeah, buying a car wash somewhere, you know. So. Right, right. Yeah, that's it's a tough deal, and those guys, um, um, good, bad, or indifferent. They people have this envision, I think, of folks with oil money like that from the Middle East, that they just they just do what they want because there's always pictures of them with Ferraris or Lamborghinis or whatever. They're sharp guys and they've got oh, yeah, there's they're surrounded by sharp guys who let them know what every um, uh, real they spend, Mm -hmm. you know. And so I'll just leave it at that. Well, let me tell you you one quick thing I heard. Yeah. yeah. And Andrews and they were saying. Uh, this was from a well-connected guy, and he said uh, the real end game. He thinks, and he'd heard this from some couple insiders, was that the Saudis are aware that in ten year, ten or fifteen years, oil is going to be dead. I mean, it's going to be we're going to have electric cars, and the oil markets will be flat, and uh, maybe out of oil in places. Whatever it is, they need a new industry, and they what better industry to be in than the glamorous uh, Western industry of, of golf and golf resorts. And so he said their plan is to really move into high-end golf resorts uh, and, and use the live as an example of, you know, the glamor of it and so forth. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I can't, I can't, I've just, that was, but that was, he's a really connected guy. It was an interesting insight. I'd not even thought about that. So, you know. well, I think, I think he could be right. And I also think that they, you know, need to be, uh cognizant of uh the type of crowds they're drawing because um what we saw last week at bedminster those guys were more like uh what is it the 16th or 17th hole at waste management exactly like but but they were they were much worse in some some regards as far as shouting and heckling and and the heckling there was not all in fun and uh, no, I mean, no. Phil took a big hit on heckling because I actually watched it. So oh, at the live, he took a he was heckled. Yeah, uh, yeah. What they, And why were they heckling him there? Uh just for the fact of you know, first bad mouthing it, and then bad mouthing the tour, and then selling out to the Saudis, and then you oh, know, oh, you saw him get he was heckled by whom? I could, I must have missed so, some guys in the gallery at at the live. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow! I had yeah. a funny moment at. I was crossing a fairway at the open and uh, I stumbled right into Phil Mickelson, my old friend, but he, I didn't recognize him. He was dressed in black. He had a big beard. He had his hat pulled look. And there was all these, I stepped behind the ropes. Uh, I was like the last guy across the fairway and Mickelson had missed the green. I think it was the 15th green, very wide, about 30 yards. And he's having to hit over gorse and people. And he was very polite to people. And he said, can you step back and stuff? And so, but there, there were three Scottish brothers or friends, clearly been visiting the pub uh, uh during the afternoon and, and they were one of them said uh, i heard him kind of beneath his breath and cl- he could have heard it he was 10 15 feet away and he goes uh oh it's phil i'm gonna have to ask him for a loan and the other one said no you can't speak to him and the other one so phil hits the shot people applaud it's a nice little shot and the other the other the third one yells at great shot phil show me the money <laughs> <laughs> they all just burst out 50 people just started laughing. At yeah. He laughed too. So he's got to have a sense of humor about it. 
Thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, Jim will be back another day and on After Hours. And for everybody else, have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Take care. Grilling at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group, All Rights Reserved.